Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about Hathor and Singularity, which introduced some Lady Golds, and yes, we will see more of both in the future. Um, Singularity was the mid-season closer, so they took a 2.5-month winter break and came back with these two episodes, 15 and 16, Korai and Enigma. Korai premiered on January 23rd, 1998, was written by Tom J. Assel and directed by Mario Azapardi. Enigma premiered on January 30th, 1998, was written by Catherine Powers and directed by William Garrity. So Korai presents an interesting moral conundrum, and Enigma introduces a new alien race that we'll continue to see more of in seasons to come. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary on what happened in these two episodes? Okay. So, Korai sees the team going to a new place that Teal'c is immediately like, I know this place. It turns out he's been there before. And while he was there, he killed somebody. And that somebody's son has not forgiven or forgotten. So, mm-hmm. when they realize who it is, he basically accuses Teal'c of murder. And despite everybody being like, no, just don't admit to it. Teal'c's like, yeah, I did it. And they're like, well you're subject to our rules and our rules mean death. So he's put on trial and the immediate verdict is he has to die because guilt is the presumed verdict rather than innocent until proven guilty. Um, So the team is trying to save him and they're like, he's a different man. He's not who he was then. And then they kind of get some additional context for what went down. And obviously Teal'c is fine. Second episode, Enigma, they go to another planet and they see these people drowning in ash One of them asks for help. So they bring them back with them. They just evacuate everybody. And then the moral conundrum is like, where do these people go? And these people, the Tolan or Tolan, depending on who in the episode you ask, um, (laughs) are human, but have advanced far beyond where we're at, despite the very 90s looking tech that they have. (laughs) So they are an extremely advanced race of humans. um, And the question then becomes where where can they go? Because they can't go home. Because home is is uninhabitable. Yeah, that's what happens. All right. So let's start with our quote reveal. Last time I gave you the quote, what if their idea of a simple trial is a simple beheading? And your guess was that the team did something wrong upon their arrival and the locals want them to atone for it. Daniel suggests going along with the trial that the locals want and Jack asks, what if they simply want to kill us? And you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't do anything. Like, the team didn't do anything wrong. It was Teal. Teal like, did. Yeah, it was just Teal and not the whole team. But still, like, Daniel was like, yeah, let's abide by local customs. And Jack is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Jack's like, hang on. Because Daniel's like, it's probably nothing. And Jack's like, the probably is where my hang up is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're getting really good at this. I feel like every week you get better. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can hear them now. Yeah, exactly. All right. So... This trial that Teal'c undergoes. I feel like in my initial watchings as a kid, I was just like, oh yeah, Teal'c's a good guy. He's totally innocent. Let's save him. And now as an adult, I'm like, well, he did actually do some really bad stuff. Yeah. I forgive an awful lot. So I'm like, he's fine. He can go home. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I have this whole, I've been like, debating this in my head and I have like arguments on both sides on like whether or not he deserves to be punished for his past deeds and I think ultimately 
I mean, not really, but it's complicated. Okay, so I'm going to get in my Kylo Ren soapbox real quick. Mm-hmm. One of the things I spent a long time after, sorry, Stargate fans, if you're not here for Star Wars, you're going to get it for about five minutes. <laughs> um, I was on my soapbox for a long time post episode nine about how what I thought should happen to Ben Solo is a living redemption, like making his past wrongs right through trying to correct it, through trying to help the galaxy grow again. And people are like, well, that's not realistic. That's not how it works. This is exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. Teal'c is exactly how that works. It's exactly what that arc needed to be. Like, yeah, he did a lot of really awful stuff. I mean, his motivation in this episode turns out to have been like more altruistic than initially presumed. But putting that aside, he did a lot of terrible stuff. But since joining the crew, since sort of that conscience began to develop, he's doing his level best to make sure that nobody suffers anymore at the hands of the Gwauld, at the hands of the Jaffa, at the hands of, I forgot the god's name. Oh, Apophis? Apophis, thank you. At like yeah. at the hands of Apophis, they he's doing his best to make it right. So I understand this young man on this planet not understanding that because he's not watching the show. But it's I, I understand where this plea for mercy is coming from. Because yeah, he is he is doing his best to do it differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And 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 Rand. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think ultimately it comes down to that for me too. Like he's genuinely trying to be a better person and he genuinely feels bad for what he's done. I think some of their arguments used to try to prove his innocence are problematic. Namely, the most problematic is they are like, well, even though he killed your dad, your dad was disabled. So that's okay. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I think, yeah, that's problematic. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. But I think in the context of this society would have let a disabled man die, right? That's, yeah. that's why he did it. Like They would have let this disabled man die very brutally in the name of escaping. So Teal'c was like, well, I could either let Apophis kill him slowly or I could kill him very quickly because nobody is coming for him. And I mean, ultimately, the better thing to do would have been to just get him out of there. Mm -hmm. But when he's still in, he's, he's still a Jaffa. He's still working for Apophis, still in that life. So I guess it was the best thing he could do given the circumstances. But generally speaking, the idea of a society being like, nobody's left behind. Like, it's, it's very Harfoot. They're like, nobody's left behind unless you can't keep up, then sorry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the people themselves are like, you know, there was a lot of people were caught that day because they didn't want to leave him behind and he couldn't keep up. So they stayed with him. But then like using the rationale of let's kill this crippled man now so that the next time the Gua will come, he doesn't slow them down is an issue. Yes, very much so. Very much so. I think maybe I misunderstood a little bit what what they were doing there. Yeah, they yeah, Yeah. they specifically were not wanting to leave him behind and that's why they were all caught okay i misunderstood then yeah but then teal was told that he had to kill somebody in order to make an example and so he decided to to kill the guy who's missing a leg because he would slow them down and that's why they were all caught in the first place so but it's still eugenics you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, the reasoning is problematic, but mm -hmm. the other reasoning about all the other great things Teal'c has done, that's fine. Yeah. But it's still, I feel like there's still like a lot of hand waving of, they don't take any time to acknowledge the bad things that Teal'c has done. They're, Cause they're very much like, we know Teal'c as he is now and he's a good guy. And there's no acknowledgement that of all the atrocious things he, he did actually do, which Teal'c is very much aware of, which is why he's willing to go through this trial and actually die because he knows that he's guilty, not just of this, but of a whole lot of things. And he really carries that guilt with him too. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's complicated. I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad that he got free obviously, but I think it would have been interesting for them to actually think about and debate all the different things that Tilk did in his past. Yeah. I mean, I guess the reason they didn't is because they would have given these people ammo. Right. But, but I mean, you could have had a scene where Tilk was talking to them in private. Yeah. And true. explaining why, you know, why he feels that he's guilty because it's not just this one thing. It's a whole lot of things. The way you're saying it makes me think we never get that from him. Not really. Um, because when it comes to, like, correcting wrongs, I mean, we, basically, he didn't, like, start to do good until SG-1 came along. Okay. Because there's only one other instance that we learn of where he spared somebody's life instead of killing them. But it was mostly a test to figure out whether or not Apophis was actually omniscient. Because okay. Apophis, like, told him to kill these people and then left. And so he didn't kill the people and lied about it. And Apophis believed him. So that's when he learns that he's not really a god who's omniscient. And maybe in the future he can try to find some way to fight against him. But then he doesn't do anything until SG-1 shows up. Right. So then it's kind of like he's dealing with decades of guilt probably of the things that he's done because at this point i don't think they mention his age until later seasons but at this point he's about 113 years old damn he looks good for his age right and so he was probably first prime of apophis for several decades most likely which means it's a very long list of bad things that he did which okay speaking of him being first prime um Jumping way ahead to the end of the episode when he does the thing that makes everybody decide to let him go when a bunch of Jaffa do come to the world and they start like attacking everybody and then the team steps in and one of them is trying to take out Teal'c and being like, if I take you out, I'll be first prime. And I'm like, hang on, does anybody give a shit about him still being first prime? He's been gone for months. I don't remember anyone saying anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I jumped out because like, because I'm like, but does anybody care? But because uh, Shackle is the new first prime. I don't know. Somebody was trying to think. He's like, and then I will be first prime. And he's like trying to stab. Like killing you will make me first prime or something. And he's trying to stab Teal'c. And I'm like, but Teal'c's not first prime right now. He's been, he's gone. Why do I not remember that scene? I just watched this. Was that a flashback? Unless, um, was there a flashback in this episode? Yeah, there was a flashback to when Apophis was there and giving That's the order to 
Yeah. No, because why did they why did they forgive him then? Well, so the the Jaffa came through the Stargate and Tilkin SG one helped. Yeah, yeah, so I'm remembering it correctly. God, you had me down on myself. Yeah, it's when they came through the Stargate. It's not the flashback at the beginning of the episode. Uh-huh. It's the it's when they came through the Stargate and they're fighting in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And one of them says something about how if he kills Teal, he'll be first prime. And I'm like, but Teal's not first prime. Okay. Well, I don't remember that line, but that was probably, I'm assuming that was Shackle that said that, except that he had the first prime marker. So he should already be first prime. Maybe he's worried that Teal being alive will put that into jeopardy, but also like Teal defected. Teal's a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> like, he defected. Like he's not, your job is safe, buddy. Like you're fine. Maybe. It's kind of, look, I mean, Teal basically has a price on his head now. So maybe it's like he thinks he'll gain even more respect from Apophis if he comes back with Teal dead. I guess. But yeah, Shackle gets killed. (laughs) So that didn't last. Yep. (laughs) Apophis has to get another new first prime. I think that theoretically it could be a good idea for Teal to do some kind of atonement for what he did. But mm-hmm. then also, like, on the flip side, it's like, okay, well, he did a lot of bad things as first prime, but he was born into slavery, essentially. Mm-hmm. Is that too? And when he was a child, he didn't know about gods being false and that them, they're being evil. And there's a later episode where we see him become first prime and he goes... And he tells Braytek about it because Bray- Braytek trained him. Mm-hmm. And um, Braytek, like, hits him on the head and is like, you idiot, how many times do I have to tell you that the ghouls are evil? Why are you excited about being first prime? Oh, maybe. <laughs> so Tilk was very excited to be first prime, which means he probably did a lot of bad stuff to get promoted into that position. But he was born into this slave system where this was the only kind of life he knew and probably one of those things like, well, life is going to be in subservience to someone. So you might as well do what you can to gain as much power as you can to make life more bearable for yourself. Right. So we understand, Teal'c. Yeah. So the court proceeding while we're Mm -hmm. talking about that. I found it interesting that Daniel only remembered his wife when he's under legal oath to talk about her. <laughs> that was like, she's, I'm like, oh, yeah. good. You remember. She's really useful, like, argumentative tool. Because I feel like this is not the first time he's used her in an argument. Like, oh, my wife, who's now a glow old, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, Daniel, this is uh, starting to turn into, uh, you know, when people say they have a friend of a minority status to justify their behavior. <laughs> All right. That's what this is turning into. Oh no. <laughs> it's just like, yes, my wife. And I'm like, oh good, you remember she exists. Yeah. And oh. he's like, Yeah, she's a host to a, a gold now. I'm like, you seem so chill about this. <laughs> Not upset at all. Not just upset. dating facts. He's talking about Sheree being a host the same way he's like talking about what he had for breakfast this morning. It is the exact right? same level of objectivity. <laughs> Oh, Daniel. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, goodness. What did you think about how they, like, their trial proceedings? I thought it was really cool. So I thought this was going to go in a couple directions initially. 
when they said that they couldn't let i can't remember the guy's name the son hanno hanno yeah when they said hanno's gonna be the one like judge jury and executioner essentially and they're like no that's not fair he can't do that what i thought was gonna happen was they were gonna be like okay then daniel can be the impartial judge and it was gonna turn into that star trek episode where they're trying to debate um data's humanity that's not what happened but then they did make a case for, you know, that a judge should be objective, that all of that. And then Hannah made the point. He's like, anyone who has a mind has an opinion, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, like there's yeah. no way they were going to find an objective judge. Right. It'd have to be like an AI or something. that would be Or like somebody objective. from a completely different world. And by the time you catch them up, like right. they formed an opinion. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it didn't work out for Teal. At least it wasn't going to. But I do sort of see in my way the rationale of the injured party is the best party to determine a sentence Mm -hmm. because nobody else feels pain the same way. Right. And like if your entire legal system, the basis is you did a wrong, you have to die. Yeah, I see how that gets a bit, you know, dangerous. But then if that's not what you're used to and the idea is, okay, they wronged you, what would you? It's like when you ask a child who's upset. It's like, okay, what would you like me to do about it? And then suddenly they're forced to consider like what would make the upset actually better. Mm-hmm. I think was a really cool question to consider. And ultimately this wound up still staying very black and white. Like he was totally ready to kill Teal until the Jaffa showed up and then had that whole thing about the the Jaffa who killed my father is dead. I don't, I don't know the man in front of me. I don't recognize him. And he let Teal go because like, yes, he is acknowledging he's better now. So they didn't really tap into that question Mm -hmm. of like the ambiguity of letting the injured party decide the sentence. But I did think it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, it was really interesting. And I mean, I feel like that would, that would only work for certain sorts of crimes, but I feel like it's kind of more like an eye for an eye type situation. Like they were only going to kill him because he killed somebody else. Like if it was Mm -hmm. theft, then it, it probably wouldn't be so severe i didn't get the impression that they're going around killing people all the time especially because their population is so tiny (laughs) so i'm assuming it's more of an an equilibrium not that we ever like find out for sure because we never go back to this planet but (laughs) so you were saying he was um if he had been a thief they wouldn't have killed him right yeah i think it yeah i think it would be kind of along the lines of in some cultures you know if you steal something your hand cut off or maybe you know not 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 even quite that severe but yeah it's not death every single time yeah because if it was death every single time you wouldn't have a population left like (laughs) i mean that's true one thing unrelated that i thought was very funny Mm -hmm. as a middle eastern person was um when they went back home and they were trying to get the general to help them save teal and he's like the United States is not in the business of interfering in other people's affairs. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, that was the last moment. <laughs> and to Jack's credit, even he's like, since when? <laughs> and yep. like, this administration, and I'm like very tempted to Google Bill Clinton and see his administration, because I guess that would have been the president at the time. But well, it's, I, I suppose it's not Bill Clinton but, in yeah. this universe. But yeah, it's a fictional president. How convenient. But- but I'm assuming it's someone generally liberal by the way that they talk about his decisions. Like, because I mean, yeah. Daniel voted for him and Daniel seems pretty liberal. Yeah, Daniel's, uh, Daniel votes liberal for sure. 
Yeah. He votes Democrat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was very funny. It's like, we're not in the business of that. I'm like, you, mm, no, not true. I mean, I do kind of agree with that in terms of this is another planet um, with their own system of government and they're putting on trial someone who is also not from our planet. And so that this isn't something that we can like morally really get involved in. It's not really <laughs> our business. If they wanted to, they would. Well, of course. Yeah. But That's I can not... understand like where the argument is coming from. Yeah. Like, but to me, the argument read more like, I know he likes Teal and they get along, but to me, the argument read more of indifference than in like a moral dilemma as far as getting involved goes. Yeah. It's not like, well, we couldn't do that. It's like, I don't care. I just I don't, don't care. I don't think it's that General Hammond personally doesn't care. I think it's more like trying to see it from like a logical perspective. And it's like, okay, well, if we get involved this time, then we need to get involved every time. And like, it's you know, it complicates things. It makes the Stargate program a lot more political than they want it to be. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, it is still pretty political with all the yeah. involvement they have, but I guess he doesn't want to walk that line. I just thought it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but this kind of comes up in the next episode, too, which I guess we'll get there when we get there. But yes, it does come up in the next episode. Let's see. Any final things about this one? Teal has resting, <laughs> disgusted face, and I like it. He's <laughs> just generally disgusted with everybody and everything. He, do- he doesn't smile a lot. I mean, not that he would in this particular episode, but. He needs to smile more. I can give him a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's right, right on the corner of his mouth. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about kissing in the next episode, too. Yes, we are. So at the end of, of this episode, they're like, we can help you defend yourself against the world. And my initial thought was, I mean, they could start by moving farther away from the Stargate. Like, I don't, that's what I don't understand about these planets that they go to where people are still being oppressed by the gold, but there's not like a constant gold presence. They just come like every few months or maybe even every few years to collect some people for hosts. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I can see some mountains in the distance over there. Why don't you go to those mountains and dig some caverns and live there? And like, sure, the gold might find you eventually if they're determined enough, but it would certainly make it a lot harder. Fear, I guess. Yeah, but they they already are afraid. That's why they live in caves to begin with. Yeah, so I guess why not just stay in the caves all the time? But if they were physically several miles away from Stargate, that would make it a lot harder to find them than just being in tunnels close to the Stargate. Plot. They need to be close for the plot. Yeah, basically. I mean, they call the Stargate the Circle of Woes. <laughs> so it's like, why do you have, like, literally their marketplace is right in front of the Stargate. Stargate. It's, like, wrapped around the Stargate. And I'm like, well, you don't seem to be <laughs> making that much of an effort to hide yourselves <laughs> if you're cooking dinner literally right next to the Stargate. <laughs> so maybe you can start there. Oh, dear. I guess now they they have some uh, staff weapons that they can use for defense instead of their little bow and arrow things. Their crossbow things. It's game over for the gold. <laughs> yeah, three staff weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. 
these plot reasons annoy me sometimes. Just a little. For people who are longtime Stargate fans, I will mention that the guy who plays Hanno does come up a few more times in Stargate stuff. So he is in the next season as a completely different character on a completely different planet called Simon. The episode is called Demons. And then he comes up in an episode of Stargate Atlantis in season two, the episode Epiphany. So we do see this guy a couple more times. Okay, so episode two, Enigma. So we uh, meet the Tolan. Yeah, we have the whole issue of government intervention come up again in this episode because it's like, okay, we have these kind of like unwilling <laughs> refugees <laughs> from another planet who have advanced technology. Can we force them to stay here and work for us? The general and the SG1 team are like, no, but this, mm-hmm. what is he, a major? A colonel? Colonel. This colonel shows up and he seems to think they can. And the president seems to think they can as well. Yep. elusive president that Daniel voted for. Yeah. It seems to think they can make them stay. I love 90s visions of the future when we see the tech specifically mm-hmm. because obviously we're living, you know, 30 years in the future. So we know what all the tech looks like even now, but these people who are supposedly centuries ahead of us yeah. have these chunky little wristwatches with like physical <laughs> buttons and I'm like yeah. touch screen was the thing in the 90s did they not think that was going to take off I don't know but <laughs> I feel like they're I feel like the showrunners were kind of like okay we need to depict a society that is hundreds if not thousands of years more advanced than us they shot the moon and went back to like 80s tech <laughs> So how can we represent that when we can't truly accurately represent that? So I think their thing was more like make it look as simple as possible mm-hmm. and then infer that it's more complicated than it looks. Which honestly is a great way around it. Yeah. Because like even when um, the leader Omak has this little triangular device that he puts on the ground to send a light beam message to the Knox. He looks at the coordinates that uh, Daniel gives him, but he doesn't input them on the device. He just turns the device on and sends the beam. So there's an implication that the device is like reading his mind, I guess, to infer the coordinates. Which honestly does seem like something a tech guy would do, like make it look as retro as possible, but actually it reads your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so actually maybe this is far more on brand than than I thought. And they have the whole the little device that can record emotions. So obviously that can connect to their brains without being physically connected. It's, you yeah. know, wireless. Both in terms of recording and in terms of like playback cuz Yeah. Sam has a little a little romance in this. Woo-woo. With Naram? Nareem. With Nareem who gives Mm -hmm. her his watch and he's like, I've recorded my feelings for you. Just press this button and close your eyes. And she's all like smiley by the end. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but okay. Did you not buy the romance? No. Why? I don't know. He's so sweet. He is the sweetest man. And like, you know me and the listeners here are getting to know me and you know, I will see romance everywhere. And I didn't get it. It's because you like the bad boy and he's the good boy. But I do like a bad boy, but. I mean, I like a good boy on occasion. <laughs> I'm trying to think if like either Jack or Teal is quote unquote a good boy. I don't 
I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like, I like a nice soft boy. I really do. But I'm like, they seem like really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do think that his feelings are stronger than hers. hundred percent. This man yeah. fell hard and fast. And so oh, yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, she was into it. Like, yeah. She kissed him back. I mean, yeah, she definitely did. I loved his whole thing. It's like, we have this custom. <laughs> Of like, like, what was it? Accustomed to show affection or something? Yeah, without words. Without words. And then he kisses her. I'm like, okay, for all that I'm not buying this romance, <laughs> that was smooth. I liked that. That was a really good line. But like, I also just think it's hilarious because it's like, okay, you're both human. Obviously, you have the same method of reproducing. Like, why do you think that kissing is not also a thing on this planet? Okay, but in Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> Oh, they don't have kissing there? They don't kiss, but the reproducing is the same. Oh. So, okay. I mean, they learn how to kiss, obviously. but I mean, I guess because kissing is, is not essential for reproduction, obviously. No, it's just a, it's just a way to express affection without words. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Ben Solo and Ice Planet Barbarians. I'm really checking off all my boxes here. You really are. <laughs> I'm on a roll. He, he had another great line that I wrote down. What your mind doesn't know, your heart fills in. I loved that. That was great. That was poetry. And then um, Sam said something like, I don't get it, but I know what you mean. And he's like, exactly. Like, yeah, right away. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Also, <laughs> while we're on a roll with how good this man is, <laughs> she brings him a cat. Yeah, adorable. And the cat's name is Schrodinger. Uh-huh. And she explains Schrodinger's cat to him. And this is the first time in the 10 plus years that I've been aware of Schrodinger's cat that the experiment made sense to me. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, why? Because people are like, yeah, the cat's dead or alive. And I'm like, but why? Why? And then he's like, yeah, because matter, something about an atom, like an atom is only. You don't know the state of the, the state matter of the atom is only until known, it's observed by, observed by matter yeah. exterior to it. I'm like, Oh, well, that was pretty easy, but like nobody had ever explained it that way. So I was like, oh, well, now I know what that is. I'm pretty sure this was the first time I'd ever heard of Schrodinger because, I mean, I watched this when I was like eight or something. Right. So I feel like I've always understood the Schrodinger's cat experiment because of the show. First time I ever heard about it was the Big Bang Theory. So they weren't really explaining it on the Big Bang Theory. No, they expect you to know it already. Yeah. But or to just look it up. And then after that, it's one of those things you can't unsee. Like everybody's talking about Schrodinger's cat and nobody explained it. But I saw this. I'm like, oh, well, that was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the show does try to explain real science as much as they can. Like, obviously, there's a lot of science fiction, like hand waving, you know, all the implications of what the Tolan's technology can do. Too complex for your understanding. Right, but I mean, they do try to bring up, like, you know, quantum physics and folding space and stuff like that, you know, trying to, like, bring it back to some reality that we're at least at least somewhat aware of. I do like that um, when Daniel's talking to, I know, Omak, Omak mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the laser beam and contacting the Knox, yeah. and he's like, but how? It's so far away and light takes so long. And he's like, yeah, so... The two points on this stick are very far apart until you do this and he folds it. And Daniel's like, oh, like folding space. And he's like, no. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you just folded it, though. I know nothing about science. So 
I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but no, I feel like when I see this explained, granted in like Marvel movies, uh -huh. they talk about bending time and bending space yeah. back to meet another point. And that's like, I guess right. bending the space time continuum. Somebody in the comments is getting right. big mad about how wrong I am. But um, <laughs> so Daniel, you know, has a pretty, to my understanding, a pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. understanding of what this guy's doing with the stick maybe in like three words he's like oh like folding space and the guy's like no i'm like but you just mm -hmm. folded it so i'm wondering if it has to do with like using another dimension to shorten the distance just in terms of like how um... isn't that what a wormhole is it's a wormhole that's what he's doing yeah essentially he's like creating a tiny his wormhole. Own wormhole right and I'm just thinking about it in terms of traveling at light speed. Okay, so I'm finally getting into the High Republic. Yes! Finally! <laughs> Star Wars again, and, for those who don't know. And <laughs> listening to, what is it called? Light of the Jedi? Yeah. And they have this explanation that traveling through hyperspace is essentially you're in a separate dimension. Like, you're in your own pocket of space-time. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if it's something similar to that, like creating a pocket of space-time that allows you to send something much faster than it should normally be able to. God, he discovered the hyperspace travel. Yeah. It's the world's most ambitious crossover event. <laughs> that's just what it made me think of. Like That's the only like way that it makes sense in my head, because <laughs> I don't know physics. <laughs> I did listen to a podcast one time that was talking about the real science behind certain science fiction things. And one of them was like hyperspace travel, but it's been like five years. So I don't really remember what the explanation was. I need to go back and listen to that again. But basically that it, it, yeah, basically that it wasn't totally implausible that it doesn't really make sense for the science that we know now, but the theory of it is there. Yeah. Yeah. I did put in my notes when he was talking about the custom that expresses more than words. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if he just like stuck his finger up her nose? <laughs> She's like leaning in for a kiss and he just sticks a finger in her nose. Or just like presses his forehead to hers and she's disappointed because she was hoping for a kiss. Like, or he like oh. licks the shell of her ear. <laughs> yeah. And not even in like a sexy way, like like a cat. <laughs> I'm just like, what if, like she thinks it's a kiss and she's yeah. like, the kiss and then he just like licks her yeah yeah or it like bites her or something i mean listen yeah. that expresses a lot too <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> so speaking of their romantic connection i looked up sam and nareem on ao3 there were several fics that were like compilation like ideas it almost felt like somebody was posting an outline that they had because there was somebody who was listing out um, like five or six potential romantic partners for Sam throughout the series. And Nareem being one of them. But it's like literally two sentences for each character. And I only found one fic that was actually multiple scenes with the characters that was pretty good. And it was kind of basically a behind the scenes like either during or immediately after this episode and that one was pretty good but there wasn't any further kissing or anything like that it was just kind of like explaining some of the stuff that was going around during this episode 
That's cool. So the um, fandom needs to be hornier, though, is what I'm hearing. Right. Now I'm like, do I need to write this myself? Yes. And I was thinking like uh, a really good ship name for them. You could combine their names and be Sareem. Okay, that's better than what I was going to me, But that's not. No. I like Sareem. Sareem is Makes a hell of a lot more sense name. than what I was saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to you discovering the various romantic interests that Sam has throughout the series and who you like best. Jack. Jack, yeah. He's definitely uh, number one, I would say. Jack. Jack is my answer. Yeah. <laughs> All about that dynamic. I feel like he is a little bit more of a bad boy. So I, yes, I, see, I but see what you're Just like. enough of a good guy. Uh-huh. Like, if I want like my bad boy, bad boy, uh-huh. it's Teal'c. Teal'c ticks off the <laughs> Kylo Ren, Sauron, Darkling, mm, shady bad boy. I don't know about that. He's a lot nicer. He's a lot nicer than all of them. Mm. But in terms of like, he did a war crime and I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Teal fits, <laughs> fits that bill. Oh no. I'm thinking more in terms of like fighting for the good guys versus the bad guys. Like neither yeah, yeah. one of them are villains. No, but he did fight for the villains for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I feel oh. like Jack has the most like rebellious spirit like he's the sassiest basically he's sassy that's the thing he's just a shade too sarcastic to be like a bad boy bad boy right because the sarcasm softens him not that that's wrong but it's different it's different shades of bad boy i feel like he really walks the line between following orders and doing whatever he wants to do mm-hmm I mean, throughout the entire series, it's like he technically follows orders all the time, but he takes many liberties with those orders. Yes. So I feel like that's more veering towards like bad boy behavior. I love them both. I don't know what to say. <laughs> nothing, nothing more sophisticated than that. I just love them both. Yeah. But uh, you're not having it for soft boy Nareem, so. No, he's just there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well we get to see him a couple more times he comes like this particular character comes up at at least two more times maybe three more times but at least two more times and then he actually comes back in stargate atlantis as a completely different character whoa yeah maybe he's like related because they're humans they left well but the character comes back in in atlantis is from earth so that's what i mean but these people are also from earth well but like thousands of years removed i know but you know how like in fiction somebody will have like an ancestor in like ancient rome and then in present day they look exactly the same like genetics did not come into play at all that's (laughs) same thing here (laughs) that's only in visual media because then you can use the same actor to play both yeah so that's what happened here (laughs) i tell you they're related okay it's like thousands of years of genetics just forget it Yep. Mm, okay i'll buy it yeah or he's a vampire <laughs> a vampire what what does that have to do with anything i don't know it's the same guy what? i don't know, I don't know. i'm just trying to make it work <laughs> as of recording it's almost halloween so it's true i'm making it spooky i i don't see how vampire comes into play but um whatever makes you happy okay <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> 
going back to Sam and Reem again, going back okay. to Serene. I just like, I love their dynamic so much. I don't understand why you don't see it. Um, I feel like one thing he did do really well too was make such good eye contact with her. Like mm-hmm. she's constantly overlooked as a woman on this base. Like we established there are what exactly eight women on this base. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we did actually see one of the women from the Hathor episode was in this episode too. I'm like, oh, they brought back the same like extra. Okay, cool. It's easy. She's on contract. She's already signed everything. Yeah. But, I mean, that's this is like pretty much it. I think after season one, like we are getting any more women. <laughs> They're all background characters who don't get speaking lines. But yeah, I mean, it was really nice to have Nareem like acknowledge her for who she is, like as a person and as a scientist, and like give her some attention because yeah, I feel like she gets ignored a lot. Yeah, that's true. Like he's the only one who like pays attention to her. Yeah. So yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I did really enjoy the Knox showing up to save the day. Yes. I told still you need that. to wash their hair. <laughs> no, they're, they're like the Harfoots. It's like they're one with nature. The Harfoots also need to wash their hair. Okay, listen. It's gross. No, don't judge another culture by their customs. <laughs> At least take the sticks out of your hair. Like... It's not even decorative. You've just tucked moss in there. It almost makes me wonder if that's not stuff stuck in the hair. If that's like actually their hair. It's not because she's got hair hair. And then she's got straight up greenery. That's like not green anymore. Sticking out of her hair. I'm like, well, Maybe it also hair. grows that way. Maybe like their hair is multi-textured. That's not texture. That's like a different thing. That's like plant life. Yeah, but they're like commune with nature. So right, maybe chia that's. I don't know. I just. <laughs> they're chia maybe... pets. Maybe I'm just saying, maybe it's more complicated than just like putting sticks in their hair. Okay. <laughs> Arzu's making a face. Chia pets. <laughs> oh dear. Going back to the very beginning of the episode when they first come through the Stargate. So they didn't know that there was going to be ash everywhere, but they've established in the previous episode, Singularity, that they do carry full head masks, head coverings. Singularity? Uh-huh. It's not the previous the one, episode. Well, two episodes ago, but the previous like podcast episode. Right. They carry around these like full head coverings. And I'm like, so... You should have immediately pulled those out when you walked through the Stargate and realized that the air was full of ash. Now nah, they're fine. <laughs> they're like, this is cool. I like some, I like the taste of ash in the morning. Like the ash is literally suffocating these people and has killed these people laying on the ground. So, you know, maybe you should put the mask on because it's going to take you more than two minutes to carry their bodies out. Just saying. They don't think these things through. They're just, they're so inconsistent. It's like the crystal copy, they just put on face masks to deal with radiation. But then in Singularity, they had both like full head masks in their backpacks and then later had like full hazmat suits when they discovered the disease. And now in this episode, they're not wearing masks at all. I'm like, where's the consistency? I'll take it up with the wardrobe department. Right? They ran out of budget for this episode. Clearly. 
Oh, and um, we got to see Minister Tuplo again from where he's the, the touched and the untouched from the Broken Divide episode. Yes. Yes. I like that he's like, we'll fully take them in. That's fine. And then, what's his name? Omak? Omak, yeah. Omak's like, ew, no. <laughs> Omak is very rude. Omak's open disgust for everybody is so funny. <laughs> He's just like, absolutely has, not. You're all too primitive for me. Yeah. He, I mean, he's honest. He's blunt. Um, like, come on now. Yeah, he has zero social skills, though. <laughs> he does not care. Um, but when Tupelo was like, you know, our planet is really nice. We have lots of crops and fish and fowl. And he mentioned how, like, fertility abounds. And I'm like, are you talking about your people being fertile because of all the extracurricular activities you do? Wink, wink. Yeah. So I thought that was a really, like, interesting joke for, like, the adults watching, I guess. I guess it's <laughs> mostly adults watching. It's not like this is aimed at kids. Yeah, I mean, I watched it as a kid. But it wasn't aimed at you. No, but I mean, I feel like the show as a whole is very family friendly. You think? You don't think? No. Why? Because I don't, I don't think it's inappropriate for kids below a certain age. I just don't think it's very interesting for kids below a certain age. Oh, I think it depends on the kid. I think, yeah, it does depend on the kid. But like, I don't think like moral dilemmas mm -hmm. are particularly like interesting. Right. Well, I mean, it would them. certainly depend on the episode. Like, there are certain episodes from growing up that. I liked more than ones that I like now. There's one episode um, that longtime viewers will know, Ergo, who as a kid, I thought I thought it was the most annoying episode I've ever seen. And now it's one of my favorites. I think it's so funny. What so I found it. What season is it? Uh three. Okay. Yeah. So my opinion changed from childhood to adulthood. I think he's delightful. Is that Dom DeLuise? Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there are some episodes that are in there like purely to be fun. And so those were definitely the ones that I really liked as a kid. But like so I mean of course like there's going to be things that are more boring for kids than others, but they're pretty well mixed in terms of like episodes that cover the gold plot versus episodes that are just for fun and then episodes that are like introducing story threads for down the line for like allies and such. So I think there's enough to kind of like please everyone in the show. And they certainly keep it family friendly in that there's, I don't think there's really ever any explicit mention of sex. Like there certainly are no sex scenes. I mean, the, uh, how do I put this? The nice lighting, thrusting, cheek slapping sex scenes are not something we saw on network TV back then. Yeah. But like the hundred day people, that was a sex scene. That's true. Half or there was a sex. Like there is sex in this show. We're just not. We're not shown. We don't see anybody's butt. But like. Right. Okay. Well, so then I guess I'll amend it to say there's no nudity. Well, there is mild nudity later. But like we don't see. Because we but see so many female nudity in the first episode that's true well i'm just all kinds of wrong aren't i hmm. 
as a whole, <laughs> it doesn't have very much nudity. <laughs> it's not a, it's not an HBO level of sex, but right. But they also just don't really talk about sex very much either. No, but network TV rarely did. Yeah. Like frank discussions of sex and like yeah. especially enjoying sex right. mutually is new, if at yeah. all. Yeah. I don't know. I still think it's family friendly. Yeah, it's it's family. It, it's like it's family friendly. I just don't in that you could watch it with your kids. I just don't mm-hmm. think it's geared at the family friendly not marketed towards yeah children yeah that's true not like uh stargate infinity which (laughs) which is marketed for my brother and no one else (laughs) y'all i cannot wait for you to hear we just recorded the first episode covering stargate infinity that i'm going to play for you when we get done with sg1 season one and it is delightful it was (laughs) Certainly something. It was definitely a show. <laughs> it's definitely a show that was produced and and aired. watched by some people. <laughs> and exists out yes, there. It does. It does exist. It certainly does do yep. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, do we have any final thoughts on Enigma? No. I did like that um at the end, Omak was finally nice to Daniel. And he like patted him on the shoulder, <laughs> and, like, like a puppy. Yeah, <laughs> like thanks, little boy, for helping us get out of here. I guess he came around a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe you're not the worst in comparison to the other people on your planet who are definitely bad. You're not the worst. <laughs> so we. Don't get very much uh, woman representation in either of these episodes. There is a woman judge in Korai, but I don't know how much power she actually has. She has because, none. Uh, yeah, because I mean, it was Hando that was deciding everything. So. She was like the arbiter, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Maybe she helps decide stuff that's like everyday matters. Yeah, but not like things really, that like, aren't Korai. a one-to-one offense. Right. And there are some new women extras in Enigma, but none of them have speaking lines. Right. Do you feel like these episodes could have been done better with representation? I mean, probably, but at this point I'm used to it, so. Right. It doesn't really process anymore. I think they could have certainly had one of the Tolan women have a line at some point. You would think. (laughs) But... Yeah, I mean, I guess they had enough going on. Yeah. Do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? Yeah, I would say so. Um, other than the horrifying ableism in uh, yeah, in the first one in Korai, yep. but definitely. And any final thoughts of anything that we didn't get to cover? No, I think I got it all. Oh, one other thought that I had of um, in the trial. When they're talking about, okay, he killed one person so that many people could be saved. I'm like, that feels like the classic trolley problem. Yeah. <laughs> Which I learned about through another TV show. I'm like, oh, okay. That's the good place? Up. Yeah, the good place. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before that show. Now I'm like seeing it pop up. I'm like, oh, it's the trolley problem. Teal solved the trolley problem. I mean, did he though? Well, I mean, he, he thought made- he did. He made a choice, certainly. 
Yeah. I don't know if he solved it. You but know, H-Y's you know the solution to the trolley problem. What? Blow up the trolley. Sacrifice yourself instead no, of other people. You're not on the trolley. You're pulling the switch. Blow up the trolley. Well, I think the theory is that you're on the trolley and you have to pull the switch, right? No, you. The tracks for trolleys are off the are off the. Oh, rail. I guess so. I'm just, I guess I'm just thinking of the good place and that they're physically on the trolley. Oh, see, I didn't make it that far in the good place. Oh, okay. When they're demonstrating it in real time, which is really gruesome. <laughs> oh God, no! If you're well, off they, the trolley, they don't just like show. The okay, okay. Get like a bazooka. Yeah. But, but then, what if the trolley is filled with twenty people? Then those people can jump out of the trolley and untie everybody from the rail. Nobody There's not enough time for that. Why did they let themselves get into this situation where on their on a murder trolley in the first place? <laughs> because somebody's holding them hostage. Okay. Well, this is just a whole mess. <laughs> this person never should have been allowed to hold people hostage in the first place. Well, obviously. So <laughs> I blame the system. Okay. <laughs> All right, so next week we'll be watching episodes 17 and 18, Solitudes and Tin Man, and you're welcome to watch along with us. Both episodes are very fun with some good mysteries to solve, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, it's time for your next quote to see who says it and why. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, your quote is, I just thought we had to combine body heat or we wouldn't make it through the night. Okay, so what I want it to be (laughs) is Sam and Jack snuggling. What I actually think it is, is they're stuck somewhere cold and it's two of the men speaking to each other. I think it's probably Jack speaking to Daniel because it's the 90s and homophobia is funny. So that's what I'm afraid it is. What I want Mm. it to be is Sam and Jack snuggling to keep warm in the cold and like, oh, no, it's snowing and they're trapped and there's only one bed and whatever will they do. (laughs) That's what I want. That's not what the I only want. one bed trope is what you want. Yes. <laughs> Always. Okay. I mean, it's a good trope. Yeah, that's what I want. Okay. That's that's not my my official guess is nineties homophobia. Oh, the sad one. Yeah, the sad one. But yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll find out next week. That's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. All of my fun stuff's in my bio. And you can find the Geeky Waffle on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we have all of our reviews, all of our podcasts. I write there, Chelsea writes there, all that fun stuff. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash the geeky waffle. And that's where you post things like waffles after dark. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.